Good morning. So good to see everyone here today. I, uh, during our, uh, our offering, I wanted to thank Tori and Danny and Colton and Chloe for coming and, um, you know, taking up the offering for everyone. Uh, a lot of times, sometimes, you know, the kids do little things and you know, we don't always notice it, but the Lord notices every little thing that you do for Him. And uh, so, guys, thank you for that. I appreciate that. And Mom, thanks uh, for you know getting them here every Sunday. And appreciate all you parents who you know get your kids here and and and, and uh, you know have them just do little things to get involved. I uh, you know we really appreciate that. And I remember over at Northeast Conference, Colton and I think Chloe was there. Uh, they were the only two kids their age that were there. <laughs> they were in there uh, eating, uh, had a meal, and there were all these little kids running around, and, and they're just kind of sitting there, and these little kids kept running up to Colton, pestering him, come on, let's go play four square, let's go, and he's like, eh. So he had all these little kids there, he had them entertained, and I thought that was pretty cool, so it's a good job. Uh, well, it's been, uh, man, wow, what a busy week. I don't know, you know, for, for all of you, how your week has been, but I've been, it's just been crazy. We've had, see, track meets, uh, school stuff, state testing got done. I had National History Day yesterday. We spent the whole day at uh, Ohio Wesleyan. Uh, then we had the school play, and Neil and I videoed it and did different things, and and uh, I was just totally, totally wiped out when I got home last night. I sat down on the couch and fell asleep forever. Got up and kind of zombied my way up to bed, and then I was out. It was crazy. But, uh, you know, you know, spending the day over at uh, Ohio Wesleyan was something that was really fun, even though, it, you know, people often ask you, you know, you teachers, you, you just work for the money. I'm just like, oh man, yeah, where's all that money at? And, you know, I haven't seen any of it yet, but boy, I'd like to. Uh, uh, but those of you in education, I know we've got a lot of teachers and, and things here. Uh, you do a lot of things for the kids. Just, just be, that's why you got into that business, because you, like, you actually like young people. You want to be with them. You want to help them, you know. Uh, and it's not always fun, but it's something that that I think is very, very rewarding. So we're over there yesterday in, in, uh, at Ohio Wesleyan. I'm watching these kids run around trying to get all these projects set up. And you got all kinds. You got homeschool kids. You got private school kids. You got uh, this one school, the Ohio Early College High School. I mean, it's like, wow, these guys must really be good. There was the gifted school for the whatever and this, and then there's Graham High School. You know, we're just kind of there. So how are we going to compete with Shaker Heights and, and all these rich schools and the super fantastic school for the gifted college-ready kids? You know, how are we going to... And we did pretty good. We, we, we hung in there. We got a couple of... Uh, we had one project that made uh, top four in the state. Just missed out going to nationals. So that was a real plus for us. But... Uh, a lot of the projects, being History Day, they all result. Uh, the, the theme this year was uh, conflict and compromise. You know, themes in history that dealt with conflict and 
or you know, people had to make compromises and had a historical relevance. And our kids, they did a lot of projects on like Gettysburg and uh, Tuskegee Airmen. Had two, one on the Cuban Missile Crisis. That's the one that won the uh, got fourth place in the state. We had several on this and that, and and we sat there and we kept wondering, you know, what is it that is getting us completely shut out of all these winning entries? Because there were some schools like Shaker Heights. I think they're out of Cleveland, maybe. They, uh, oh man, every category, every time. I mean, they had two or three kids that won three or four awards. I'm like, what is it about, you know, what, why won't our projects match up with theirs? You know, what's, what's the deal? Is it the quality of the work or was it the, the topics that were chosen? And it was interesting that, you know, our kids being out here in, in, the, in the sticks, in the rural, and we come from a pretty conservative community. And many of our projects reflect some of that conservatism. And many of the award winners who went on to nationals, I mean, they were dealing with uh, one of the top um, exhibits was about uh, Texas versus Johnson, which was the flag burning case. You can burn the flag and, you know, it's protected by First Amendment. That, would, that was a, that one went to, that one's going to D.C. That's a, you know, that one and several other projects that were just, you know, left us wondering a little bit. I don't think it's so much how you did on your project, it's the topic that you chose. And so we had to talk to our kids about, well, you, you know. And while many of winning projects dealt with social causes and rights and, uh, you know, those types of things, ours were, a lot of our kids you know, talked about military conflict. And I got to thinking about that, and I was like, you know, we really do kind of live in a sheltered <laughs> place. Whenever we would take kids to D.C. or to uh, any big city, you know, we'd always have to prepare them a little bit. Now, we're going to the big city here, kids. We're like country mouse going to see city mouse, and you're going to be in for some things that you're not used to. I mean, you'll see uh, homeless people. You'll see, uh, you'll see uh, gay and lesbian people. You'll see all different kinds, and you'll be sitting there like, where are we? You know, so well, you're in a bigger world now. And our kids, uh, it was interesting, so many of the projects were about, you know, war and, and this and that, His typical history stuff. And it got me thinking about what we talked about last week, trials and temptation. And the idea that we are in a, a conflict, we really are in a conflict with, with ourselves, we talked about the lusts of the flesh and the eyes and the, the, the boastful pride of life. And we're, we're really in a world that's in conflict with God. And it's, it really is a, uh, uh, some sort of a spiritual war that, that, that does go on. And it, it goes on in many different ways, many times very insidious. But I do believe the day you make a commitment to Jesus Christ, a very real spiritual war begins in your life. Um, conversion that makes our hearts a, a battlefield. 
uh, before we were saved, before we had ever made a decision for Christ, we're part of the world system. We're part of the unredeemed. We're the unregenerate. We're uh, part of, of this sinful world. But as you proclaim a faith in Christ, you come out of that. God draws us out of that. And you become an enemy, an enemy of the world. The Bible often uses pictures of military battle, fighting, warfare to describe the Christian life. Paul exhorted Timothy, endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Be a soldier. He also wrote, you know, later he had fought the good fight. I mean, these are all images that bring up, you know, battle and wrestling and fighting. It's a struggle. Jesus told his own disciples as they were going out into the world and being an influence for him, he even told them, look, the gates of hell will not prevail against them as the church. So in other words, you know, we're to be going out and, and almost on the offensive at times. I've never been attacked by a gate. You know, the gates of hell will not prevail. No, that's, uh, that brings up in those days... Uh, the disciples would have understood that, that phrase, talking about gates and a military thing. The disciples would have understood that. When a military offensive was launched in those days against a city, for example, one of the first strategies that you had to do was figure out a way, how do we get into the city? We've got to get in there to these people. And one of the things that they had in those days was a battering ram. They would bring these things up and they'd bang on the doors and, or find weak points in the wall and try to knock down the gate, defeat the opposing enemy. And you know, I think when Jesus said that, you know, the gates of hell will not prevail against you as the church, and the, the idea that you know, we are to be active as well. When it comes to the Christian life, I really think we're either gaining or losing ground um, not in terms of your salvation, but in your spiritual walk, in your spiritual life, there are many times there's ups and downs because we're involved in a spiritual battle. A lot of us, like, we take a lot of pride in our kids and their athletic achievements. Well, I wish every game could be, you know, a super wonderful game where you're uh, you know, scoring touchdowns and hitting balls out of the park and, and posting great track times, but you're going to have days that you're going to be a little bit off. Um, it, it's just the way it is as an athlete. And I always tell my kids, you're either improving or you're regressing as an athlete. You never really stay the same from day to day. The only day, really, that you're 100% is, is the day that you start. We, I used to tell the kids that in football. The only day you're going to be 100% this is the, day, the first day of practice. Because from here to the end, it's a war of attrition. If you're really struggling and you're really in there fighting and you're really doing well, you're going to get hurt. And you're going to be hurt. You've got to still move. You've still got to fight. You've still got to go. We talk about the difference between being hurt versus being injured. I think there's a difference. Me and our, our trainer, we argue about that all the time. But... Um, the spiritual life is like that. From the day we declared ourselves Christians, we've been in a battle. And you're going to get bruised, you're going to get bumped, you're going to get pushed around. 
But we got to keep going. And you have to ask yourself every day, are we improving in this fight? Are we doing what we can to become more like Jesus? Or are we sliding further and further away from the goal? You know, it's up to us to fight the good fight of faith. So we need to suit up and learn the principles found in God's word that teach us how to be more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. Last week I spoke about the battle with the flesh. And we talked about the difference between temptation and trials. And, and uh, I got to thinking about that. And I wanted to give you something practical, something a little easier to use uh, when you're dealing with trials, when you're faced with temptation. And the Bible makes it very clear. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. I apologize. I had a wonderful PowerPoint. Uh, it's sitting on the kitchen counter at home. So you'll have to... Forgive me there. Just sitting there in a little thumb drive. But anyways, Ephesians chapter 6, Paul gives us a little bit of information about how to deal with temptations, struggles, spiritual battles. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, talks about the armor of God one of the things I always enjoyed about football when I coached was helping the kids suit up, helping them to get on their football equipment. Because, you know, you start putting all those pads on and you start feeling really, yeah, I'm ready to go. You strap up that helmet, <clears throat> I'm ready to, you know. One day I went down to the, the youth league just to watch and help out a little bit and they were passing out equipment. These are little boys that had never played football before with real football equipment. And they were trying to pass out stuff, and we had these two little brothers, the vest boys. These two little brothers. One of them's got a helmet on. The other one's got, all he has on is his shoulder pads. And they're off to the side just beating each other. Bam, bam. You know, they got their, we got our uniform on, ready to go. I always swore they probably never had any furniture in their house that wasn't broken because... They used to tell stories of how they would push all the furniture out of them, push it up against the walls, and they'd have like wrestling matches in their, their front room and stuff. Always got a kick out of that. But you know what? That's, that's like the Christian life. You got to be ready to, to, you can't go into battle without your, your equipment. One of my favorite movies is uh, called Friday Night Lights. And there's a scene where there's this, football player, he's like second or third string, he, he's not expecting to get in the game, and the superstar comes out, he's already scored like eight touchdowns, and he wants him, wants to get one more, one more, coach, let me get one more, he says, no, 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 you, you got yours tonight, you know, have a seat, bring in the next guy, so they call him, well, superstar had hit his helmet, so they call on him, get in there, so he jumps off the bench and he don't have a helmet. He's running around looking for his helmet, and the coaches are yelling at him, you got to get in there. What if, you don't have your helmet. What kind of a football player are you? What kind, you got to have a helmet. So many times we go into battle, day after day, unprepared, without the equipment that God has freely given us to be able to, to do battle, to play the game on a, a more fair level playing field. 
Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, I'll start with this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Our God's not a wimp. Put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now that's stopping, make you scratch your head a little bit. What in the world is he talking about? Flesh and blood, spiritual forces, uh, what's going on here? Well, I really do believe that there is a spiritual dimension involved in life, involved in the creation of the universe. There is a spiritual dimension that we can't be a part of yet, we can't see, but I believe that we're affected deeply by it. There are things that go on that we're not aware of. Um, Angels exist, I believe that. You've heard me talk about angels before. But on the other hand, I also believe there are demons, that there are uh, the enemies of God that exist on a spiritual dimension. Of course, the Bible calls these fallen angels who made a choice and separated themselves from God, and that within the spiritual dimension, these forces do battle. We're not aware of it. We can't see it. We don't know what's going on. But I do believe that in God's divine will, this system is set up and, and operates. And that there are times that things in a spiritual realm can sneak in and, and affect us. In the week leading up to Easter... Um, the Bible talks about uh, Judas being influenced you know, uh, or you know, Satan whispering in his ear or do this. There was something going on there, some sort of an influence. And I do believe that people who are not putting on the full armor of God, that, that can, you can leave yourself susceptible to influence by the enemy. I love the way that the Bible, again, this is the Bible, this isn't me here, but verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, powers, world forces. They're talking about this spiritual enemy that exists that has an influence upon the world. Now, I don't want to go too far into that because I've been around, I've seen preachers who, I mean, the devil's behind everything. I mean, it post-nasal drip all the way to, to every bad thing that's ever happened in the world. I mean, the devil's in there somewhere. Well, sometimes I think we give him too much credit. But the Bible says we're engaged in a spiritual battle, and the Greek word for struggle means hand-to-hand combat. Wrestling. People where I'm from, and Graham, we understand what wrestling is. All right, most of us have nothing to do with it, but we all walk around like, yeah, Graham's wrestlers. You know. We go places and people will say, uh, so where are you from? Oh, we're up in Champaign County. Uh, your football team any good? No. You're, you're, uh, what about your basketball team? Eh, they're okay. Oh, wait a minute, you guys are up there. Oh, you're the wrestling school. 
You got all those wrestlers. Yeah, yeah. You're from St. Paris. That's right, St. Paris. They couldn't find it on a map, but everybody's heard of St. Paris. And people will always go, man, you, you, you Catholic schools have got it going good. And I'm like, we're not Catholic. St. Paris. <laughs> I always tell them, St. Paris was the patron saint of wrestling, I guess. So, But uh, anyways, people up where I'm from, we understand what grappling is. Neola's brothers were wrestlers. They've taught Kayla wrestling moves. They used to wrestle with the boys on the floor. And the battle, the struggle, in this, the struggle against the world system, against the spiritual forces, it's hand-to-hand -hand combat. As a, as a teacher, uh, you know, we talk about, I used to teach a class called military history in, in, in days before... 1600s, almost all battle was done up close and personal. You were right there. You were, it's kill or be killed. It was hand to hand. You looked into the face of the person as you took them down. Today, that still can occur, but for a lot of people, the experience is totally different. It's distant, far off. There's, there's distance between you and the, the enemy. You can, there are people in, in uh, you know, I'm sure at Wright Pad or, or other Air Force bases that sit in there and fly little drones around and got them. Fly your drone back and then you go to McDonald's and get lunch and come back and fly around again in the afternoon. It's a different kind of warfare, it's a different kind of battle. It's not like grappling where you're wrestling, where it's you've got to struggle, you've got to keep at it, you've got to keep moving. Now I think Satan, as the Bible mentions, is a created being, was created by God for a purpose, but he's nowhere near God's equal. I hate Hollywood, they, they often portray the devil as this raging, powerful monster that can just you know, destroy everything. I tend to think of Satan more as a used car salesman. Tell you lies and, you know, hey, buddy, you know, gee, how about I buy this car? You know, hey, why don't, you, uh, why don't you play the lottery? Hey, why don't you take a look at this magazine? Why don't you, uh, you know, that pretty girl over there, she wants to talk to you. You know, that kind of thing. The Bible talks about Satan as a liar. But God is... Powerful. Our God is omnipotent. It means he's everywhere. Or excuse me, uh, omnipotent. Um, he's always existed. Will always exist. Our God is omniscient. He knows everything. There's nothing hidden from our God. Our God is omnipresent. He is, has the ability to be everywhere at the same time. When I was a little kid, I always worried about that. How does God hear all the prayers? I mean, has he got them all lined up? One, that's all he'd ever do is listen to prayers all day. You know, my mom was like, well, God can hear them all at the same time. And he, I'm just like, oh, man, I don't, that'd be a cool superpower. You know, 
God can do anything he wants when he wants to do it, anytime, anywhere. Our enemy is none of those things. He has limitations as to what he can do. He is a created being. All of the things that are part of his system in this world are under the authority of God. And we need to realize that this enemy will attack us in the realm of our minds. The Apostle Paul mentioned this in 2 Corinthians. He said, but I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. In other words, we're easily tricked. We're easily fooled. We take the bait. I had a picture of Patrick and SpongeBob playing with the hooks. How easily we are to get hooked. And I think that the enemy knows that if he can get us to think about something, dangle things out there, we're only a step away from actually doing that. You know, it's in the battle of the mind that so many things take place. You know, it's here that we reason, where we remember, where we dream, where we solve our problems. James chapter 1, I'm going to read this to you real quick. We've been in, in James, and I've read this to you before, just recently. James chapter 1, verse 12. And again, we talked about this. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. You've got to remain faithful. Let no one say when he is tempted, now this is not a trial, now we're talking temptation, I am being tempted by God. God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is carried away when he is, excuse me, each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. You see the hook on the, you see the bait, it's on the hook. You're like a bass swimming around. Should I? Should I not? Ah. Verse 15, then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. So we know that you know, it's, it's within the mind that we see things, we notice things. That's where the battlefield, many times, that's where the battle has to take place. We've talked about the flesh. When the Bible speaks of the flesh, it speaks more of the depraved, fallen human nature that we all have to deal with. One of the reasons I believe that we have to die, we always make a big deal out of the fact that we have to, you know, there's a punishment for sin. You know, once sin, you know, punishment of sin is death. But I also think that this shell that we exist in now, which has been corrupted by sin in this world, it, it has to be like a snake getting rid of its skin. Or the cicadas, when, when we were kids, we'd always run around and look at the little shells on the, you know, up the side of the tree. and We've got to shed that. Because as long as we live, we'll always be vulnerable to temptation. Temptations of the flesh. Temptations that are all around us. The, the Apostle John gave us this definitive look at the flesh. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, 
lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of, of the world. And we talked about that, lust of the eyes, and you see things, wow, got to have it. Lust of the, the flesh, make me feel good, and the pride of life. You know, I am so, so intelligent and superior, and that just makes me feel like God. And Those are the things we have to look out for. Now back to Ephesians here, chapter 6. God has given us an armor that we can use to do battle, to do spiritual battle. Let's look at this armor of, of God. Um, let's look at verse 13. So we know we're about to be in a battle. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, verse 13, so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Thank you, God, that you've given me a, a suit of armor, a, a, something that I can put on every day to do battle against this evil world. Standing firm, verse 14, Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. There you have it. That's the, the suit of armor that God gives to all of us. Roman centurions in those days would have had a you know, full regalia. They would have worn these, these types of pieces to make up their kit of, of armor, helmet and a shield, a breastplate, really cool shoes, a belt. Let's look at these just briefly here, real quick. Um, this whole armor of God. First of all, truth. Verse 14, stand firm, having girded your loins with truth. What does this mean, girding your loins? When I was a kid, I was like, what in the world is girding your loins? That doesn't sound right. It sounds like a medical problem or something. I'm girding my loins. Now, in those days, a lot of times, under their regular clothes, you know, when you got, were in a fight, you know, okay, just like today, you take your coat off. And you, I'm taking, pull, peel off your shirt, ready to go, you know. Well, they had an under cloak, like a tunic, and they'd have to hike that thing up, pull it all up, and they'd get that belt out, and they'd tie it. All right, let's go. Girded my loins, ready to go. Well, Basically, what it means, you know, tie up all the loose ends in your life. Be ready to go. You can stand against the, the tricks of the devil. Every element that, that he talks about here is important. Girding up your loins with truth, you know, it holds our life together with a sense of direction and purpose. I am going to trust in the truth. The truth is... I am a child of God. I have been saved by the blood of Christ. And that makes me a, ch a child of God. I'm not a loser. I'm not weak. 
And with that truth in your mind, you can go into your day, into your world. I am not weak. My God is, is, is an all-powerful God. And he exists and he lives and he loves me. He has my best intentions at heart. And with that kind of truth, how can that slow you down? We've got to remind ourselves of that. We've got to gird up our loins every morning, every day. I serve an awesome God. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Everybody knows what a breastplate is. You put that on. You know, I'm, I'm sure if Paul would have written today, he would have used the football equipment here instead of... Uh, the, oh, maybe not. I don't know. Put on your shoulder pads of righteousness. Get out there and go, you know. Well, doing what is good and right, all throughout the Proverbs, it, it talks about doing what is good and doing what is right, living a righteous life. It'll guard your hearts. It means your emotions. Ungodly living brings on emotional guilt as well as judicial guilt. I've screwed up. Adam and Eve screwed up. What they do? They went and hid. They felt guilty about it. Living a righteous life frees you from that. Paul might have made a reference to that, the righteousness of Christ that leads to justification. Philippians, he talked about that. That's only found in, in Christ. And that, that righteousness protects us from the accusations of, of the devil. He goes on here. Um, uh, Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I had a football player once who was a Christian, and we'd often talk about these things. And you know, in those days, you know, put on your sandals. I guess I don't know. Today, it's put on your two hundred dollar pair of Nikes, whatever super cleats that, or whatever. Get ready to go. The preparation of the gospel. The gospel, the Bible says, is is God's power unto salvation. There's power in the gospel message. And that's crucial to our ability to stand. Because armed with the gospel, we know we have peace with God. Romans 1, uh, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for... Anybody remember, remember their Bible? For salvation! Awesome. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith. You've got to have a shield if you're going to go into battle. The shield of faith, verse 16, with which you're able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the, uh, of the evil one. There's a faith. I have faith. I have a strong conviction that God can protect me from every fiery dart that Satan can throw at me. He knows my buttons. He knows the triggers that get me going. And I've had to learn over the years of things that you have to do to, to avoid those fiery darts. But above all, that faith, that knowledge, comes only from the Word of 
God. Romans uh, chapter 10, verse 17 talks about faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. You want to be able to put out the fiery darts? Get in here a little bit. I love it when, when Jen has her girls up here and they, they, they sing out more scripture than I know, frankly. <laughs> Why is she teaching those kids that? So that they'll be able to go through their life equipped, ready to put out the, the, the barrage that's coming. One of my favorite scenes in this, this it's a horrible film, but I love it anyways. It's called 300. And all the Roman or the Spartans, they're marching into battle, and you know, here we go. They, the whole army pulls out their bows, and you got millions of arrows flying, and they're all marching in there, and they're like, okay, and they all kind of bunch down together and make like a shell, and all those arrows are just bouncing off, and they're they're not doing anything to them, they're not hurting them. It's similar with the Christian. When we're under attack, if we have faith based in the word of God, those arrows are going to miss. They're going to be deflected. These aren't just normal arrows. They're flaming arrows. That's even worse. <laughs> Verse 17, in the helmet of salvation. You put your helmet on. When I played football and coached it, the helmet just made the uniform. You could put everything else on, but until you put your helmet on, you didn't feel like a football player. Put that helmet on, ready to go. Soldiers going into combat, they get their helmet, ready to go. That helmet is the, the hope of salvation because it's in that hope, that salvation, that it provides, that can protect our minds against things like despair and, and fear. I believe that I've been saved through the blood of Christ. Things can happen to me. I told you uh, months ago, if a shooter came in and shot me dead at school, I wouldn't like that too much, but I'm not too worried about it. I'm going to live my life as a Christian. And if something like that were to ever happen, it's all right. I believe, I know that I'm secure. I'm not afraid of that. I don't want it to happen. I don't want, you know, I don't want you all to miss me or anything. You know, I, I... Put on that helmet every day and go forth into the world and don't worry about certain things that might harm you or hurt you. You're a child of, of God. Your salvation is secure. Wear that like a helmet. And then finally, the only offensive weapon that God has given us the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's interesting that in the Greek, the sword, it was really a, like a dagger that, that they describe. You know, I'm thinking like, you know, Kylo Ren, a great big, you know, broadsword thing, you know. No, the, the Greek, it, it kind of connotates these small daggers, one in each hand where you're getting ready to grapple, you know, like a knife fight kind of thing. Because those weapons are good for, for attacking, and they're also good for defending. And that's what the Word of God is. It's our weapon by which we can attack the evil one. 
It's also the, the weapon we have to defend ourselves. When we're talking about close quarters combat, we're wrestling here. Another place is the Bible talks about the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and how it's possible for that Spirit to cut to the heart of those who hear the Word. After, the, uh, after Easter was over, Pentecost had happened. That's the, the, the believers had assembled. The Holy Spirit came upon them. They went out. Peter begins to preach. And he gave, really, the whole gospel account, the whole history of this is why all these things happened. And people were, it says they were cut to the heart. The word of God had penetrated them in a way that no argument or no intellectual uh, debating could ever have done. These are the tools that God has given us to, to be on the offensive. In some of my readings about World War II, I know that in the Soviet Union, many times they did not have the equipment for their soldiers. They had more soldiers than they had equipment at times, which included rifles. And many times in the Soviet Union, uh, units would be sent in without any weapons. You're going in a fight. You're going into battle. Go. Uh, we don't have any guns. We have nothing. Just go. You'll, you'll be able to figure it out. Well, as you can imagine, a lot of those guys got wiped out. The way it worked was the first unit that went in were usually heavily equipped. And so when you went in in the second way without any weapons, you were supposed to pick up the stuff that the, the others had dropped or people had been killed. You pick up their gun. Now you got a weapon. Now you can fight. But it, too many of us go into battle every day in the same manner. We step out into the world. We step out and, and try to do things. We try to uh, solve our problems in life totally unequipped, without any kind of defensive armor, without any kind of weapon. God has given you these tools every day. And it, again, it's a battle in the mind. As you step out into the world every day, am I ready to put on the helmet of salvation? Am I going to pick up the sword of the Spirit? Am I going to Prepare myself with the, the idea of the gospel of peace. God is not wanting you to go into the world as some sort of religious nut. But he has given you the tools that you should use and should incorporate. To do battle against the world. Make up your mind every day to live a life worthy of Christ. God will love you, God will be with you, and God will give you those tools so that in the day of temptation, you will be able to resist. And you'll be able to stand firm, and you'll be able to um, make a declaration of your, your salvation very boldly, ready to go. Verse 18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints, and pray on my behalf. He's talking about himself, Paul here, 
that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. All of us should have that same boldness. When you put on that full armor, you're ready to go. You're ready to do battle. God has not given us a spirit to be timid. He's given us everything that we need to go into this world to be successful in our struggles against temptation. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. We've been talking a lot about trials and temptations. Lord, all of us have temptations and struggles that we deal with. They're all different, but they're all in the same bucket. It's called sin. Lord, forgive us of our sins. We thank you that we are forgiven because of what Christ did for us. And we have confidence in the gospel and knowledge that you love us and that we're secure in you. God, help us to be bold as we go into the world, living a life in the name of Jesus.